Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org. Good evening. I am so honored to stand before you. I love you so much. I am honored to be here. And uh, I'm so grateful for Pastor Dean Love and Patty Love. Thank you so much for believing in me and accepting me and making me part of this family. Amen. And thank you so much for empowering me to do what I'm doing in Kampala, Uganda. This body of Christ has empowered me and continues to empower me to do what I'm doing back in Uganda. May God bless you. May God keep you increasing. And I also would like to thank God for my daughters. I'm telling you, just seeing them here, it brought back memories. These ladies left this plentiful land. They left this land of abundance and they came down to where we were. They showed us love. Just looking at them, man, it's quite emotional. They showed us love. They they were there. So when I was coming, I was just thinking about them. I want to see them. They made it well here. Nobody got a problem. They're all okay. Amen. (laughs) And I'm so glad, you know, just being here and seeing Nikki over there. You know, that's your husband? Wow. Look at him. (laughs) Thank you for releasing Nikki. To come and minister in Africa. Thank you so much. It was an experience. And Mr. Colby. Thank you for releasing her. To lead the team. She did a great work. Your people don't know how to give applause. (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm so happy to be back here. I am so honored. Just seeing young people on fire for God. Just seeing Pastor Josh. I always tell you, man, don't look back. I'm so proud of you. I know I'm not your daddy, but I'm telling you, I'm so proud of you. Every time I hear about you and your passion for God. And it's beginning to eat on everybody. Man, don't look back. Don't look back. We're doing a great work in Africa. Things are happening and we trust God. So much is happening. I know you're going to get so much from the what, Mission Sunday. Yes, I'll let them tell the story. Amen. <laughs> but I'm so glad to be here and I'm glad that God has given me the opportunity that I can share with you and talk to you even as leaders. Amen. And I believe that every person that walked into this auditorium tonight, 
you may be there and you think, I don't even do leadership. I don't have anybody. I don't think I'm supposed to be a leader. To the fact that you walk through those doors, you are. Amen. Amen. And I'll be talking about leadership and it will help us understand something deeper so that our lives are transformed. Amen. Hallelujah. It is so good. And this weekend, I'll be talking to the men. And I'll be talking to the marrieds. Let me tell you this. There's going to be a paradigm shift. Things are not going to remain the way they are. I challenge every man to be present. I challenge every man to give up all your other commitments and be around. And be around. Because you won't remain the same. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for causing me to travel all these miles to come here and bring the gospel. Lord, I surrender. Now speak through me. Let me not bring my own intellect, but may you work through me. May you manifest yourself through me. Speak to these, your people. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. I want to talk about leadership. Because this is a leadership meeting. Amen. And that is what I'm going to talk about. Before I tell you the subject, I would like us to actually define leadership. Amen. Because when we define leadership, it will help us understand the depth of what God is up to. It will help us understand so that we walk as he wants us. Because one of our greatest challenges today has been that we walk based on what the world tells us. When the world teaches leadership, we embrace what the world teaches as leadership. But what God teaches as leadership is different from what the world teaches as leadership. Amen. From what the world teaches as leadership. When you hear the word to lead, what does it mean? To lead, what does it mean? Amen. What do you understand when you hear the word lead? I lead. The natural understanding is actually to take a position. The natural understanding is to be on top. Right? That's to be on top. How to be there. How to be ahead of everybody. How to be on top. But to God, that is not leadership. Amen. To God, that is not leadership. And I'm going to explain all these facts to you so that it's not just a meeting for you to get excited and maybe get a word, but something that will change the way you do things forever. Amen. Because you see, when you listen to the wisdom of the world, it will only tell you lies. Tomorrow, their wisdom is going to be improved. 
But you see, God's wisdom, it never improves. So when he tells you something, you can stick with it and pass it on to the next generation because it's never going to change. You're not going to hear, well, we did a new version of leadership. No, it's going to be the old type. That's why it's good you embrace God's style as early as possible because there will be no new version. You will have that version forever. Amen. Come with me to Romans. Romans. I don't know how you pronounce it in America. Romans. Okay. Romans. <laughs> yeah, I got to make sure I say it the right way because otherwise I will lose you. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord <laughs> now you see I, I would think I'm going but actually when you stayed behind because you're thinking about noodles and I'm talking about the bible <laughs> amen chapter 12 chapter 12 Hallelujah. Are you there? Verse 8. Or he that exalteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules, that word there is leads. Amen. He that leads with diligence. I want to stop there. He that leads with what? With diligence. Amen. What does it mean to lead? Hallelujah. What does it mean to lead? Because like I have said, when we think of leadership, we're actually thinking of the top position. We're thinking of the top post. But we're not understanding what he is up to. When you dig this word to lead, amen. To lead. He that leads with diligence. Amen. Diligence, in other words, when he says he that leads, it is not about he that stands at the top. Are you listening to me? No, no, not he that stands at the top. Because when you say that, then you're going to miss it. He that leads is a different ministry altogether. It's a different word altogether. And that is what I came to break down for you this evening. Amen. He that leads with diligence. What does it mean? We're going to find out something very, very profound. Because when Jesus comes over here, he addresses himself in a very great way. He says, I am the shepherd. Are you listening to me? I am the what? The shepherd. Okay, let's first fly. You've seen this? Now, let's go to Psalms. <clears throat> Psalm 23. I want to build this up slowly. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And then in John 10, 10, Oh, John chapter 10, real quick. 
Gospel of John. Hallelujah. Chapter 10. Amen. John chapter 10. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the ship. Right? I am the good shepherd. Now, I want you to understand something about leadership. I want you to understand this because this is the point I'm building up for you. That when the Bible mentions leadership, he is not referring to any other thing, but he's referring to shepherd. We're going to go slowly in this. To lead is to shepherd. That's why Paul, I mean, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Whatever happens down there after those words is all about leadership. Being able to correct, being able to rebuke, being able to do all this kind of stuff is all in Psalm 23. That a leader more than anything, David says, you are my shepherd. I shall not want. You lead me. You make me. Uh-huh. You make me. You prepare. You feed me till I overflow. Are you seeing all of this? Are you seeing all of this? That as much as the leader is there, the subject is the O's he leads. Not himself, but those he leads. Not himself, but those he leads. And what does it mean? That to be a shepherd is to feed. I know traditionally we believe the only shepherd is the one who pastors a church. And that's where we miss it. To God, to be able to lead is to be able to care with zeal and passion for others. To care with zeal and passion for others. To care with zeal and passion for others. Let him who cares with zeal, care with zeal and passion. That's 12.8. Let he who care, care with zeal and passion. To lead is to care. To lead is to care for others. And to care means that I think about you and what you would need before you even think about it or before you even tell me. <laughs> to care means I think about what you need before you even tell me. Huh? 
Now that means I am not going to literally sit back when I'm caring. I'm going to be looking out, checking you out, examining everybody, monitoring everybody, making sure everybody is where you are supposed to be, making sure you are doing what you are supposed to do. I care for you. That's why when Jesus is leaving in John, Gospel of John, look at what he tells them. The Gospel of John, chapter 21. This is what he says, verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus, 21, 15. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord. Thou knowest that I love thee, he said unto him, feed my lambs. Now this is where the Catholics lose it. They think it's about raising up a big man and put him up there and let everybody watch him as he stands on top and he leads all of us. No, no, no. He told him, feed my lambs. The first thing he assigns to him is to be a shepherd. In the Jewish culture in the early days, being a shepherd was royalty. It was royalty. It wasn't being looked down upon. It was royalty. Not everybody could shepherd because being a shepherd was high class. That type of living. That's why when they care for the sheep, they're able to even spend nights on mountains. Because they got to make sure them sheep are fed well. Them sheep are protected. Them sheep are protected. Leadership is not about you caring for me. It's me caring for you before anything else. Leadership is me caring for you. That's why the good shepherd comes out and says, I am the good shepherd. And what do I do? What is the evidence that I am good? What is the evidence that I'm good? Not that I drive a Cadillac. Not that I drive a Mercedes. Not that I own a mansion. Not that I am on TV. The evidence that I am a good shepherd is that I lay down my life. I lay down my life. It is not about me. I've been given a position whereby I die and others leave. That my impact only happens when I cease. When I cease, it causes others to blossom. Oh. We want leadership, right? We're talking of leadership. I know this is not the kind of stuff you're going to hear in the motivational speakers. I am not one of them. I'm not a motivational speaker. 
No, no, no. I can't motivate the flesh. <laughs> You're in the flesh and I come and hype you up and motivate you. No. The flesh is to die, not to be motivated. That's why today when I hype you, you're going to need me tomorrow to hype you again. And I hype you again. And I hype you again. Why? Because I'm trying to hype the flesh. And the flesh can't stay there. It's meant to go down. Real leadership is not about how a celebrity I am. That's why today we are failing because most of us in church we're pursuing celebrity status to prove that we are leaders. That's why when I come up and I say, oh yeah, I'm a leader. Oh, you you want to see my card? This is my business card and uh, I got this going on. I'm on TV. I was on TBN the other day. I'm on our Daystar and you know, I've been moving around. I run about 20,000 a day, you know, the common Sunday in my church, about 20,000. Now, if you're running too, you're going to ask yourself, am I a leader? Because the man is running 20,000. I am running too. No, the ability to run 20,000 is so possible, especially when you, let, let me move slowly, when you have not taken the shepherd style of leadership. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Because if I am a leader and I am laying down my life for me, Ladies and gentlemen, it's going to be so hard to build my empire. It's going to be so hard. Because it's not about me. It's about you. It's not about me. It's about you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm laying down my everything for you. I'm a shepherd. This is the spirit that is supposed to be distributed to everybody coming from the one who God has given you here as a shepherd that as he cares for you. Do you know what he's planting in you? That you care for one another. And that is what Jesus said. Now the way I've done it to you, you go and do it to another. That is how leadership progresses. But today we don't do that kind of leadership. We only do leadership that is goal-oriented, result-oriented. We want results. If you do two plus two, you're going to get four. Okay? And God is going to say two plus two, you're going to get zero. And you're going to say, no, that's not leadership. Because leadership, intellectually, it's got to be two plus two. You get four, then we know where we are going. No, I keep saying this. Jeremiah preached for 40 years and nobody believed him. Yet after he had gone, he had opened the new covenant. He declared the new covenant. 
and his ministry's impact is felt when he's long gone. He never even felt his own impact. The problem is we try to do what we can and we do leadership in our strength to feed us and feed our ego. We use leadership to literally validate ourselves. Leadership is not intended to validate you. The validated lead. Okay, I'll say that again. You don't do leadership to become validated. The validated lead. That's why Jeremiah could preach for 40 years. And in the 40 years, what did he get? Moved from one prison to another prison, to another cistern, to another jail, to another prison, rejected by his own family, rejected by his own brothers, rejected by his fellow prophets. He had no fellowship with anybody because everybody thought he was false. Concerning results, he had nothing. If God called you, there's no way you would just be there without results. Honey, when God calls me, the results are not mine to determine. Because, well, let me tell you, let me tell you something. When I call you, you don't determine the results because you didn't call yourself. I called you to do this for me. So you cannot determine your results. How? Under my calling? Under my calling? You determine what you get? Under my calling? No, ma'am. When I call you, I determine the results. Because I know what counts to me? Why do I determine the results? Because you might come on in and do every good thing for me. And I tell you, it's all trash. Because I didn't call you to do that. You are messing up with my purpose. All I wanted is that when I called you, you were going to move. Let me show you something. Let's move together. I'm calling you and you are going to just come over and stop here and stop here. Do you hear me? That is all I need. When you stop there, it seems nothing is happening around you. It seems you are not called, but I have eternal purposes. You stop there. And then I call another. I say, come over. Now I want you to move. The moment you believe me, I want you to move. Yes, sir. Do this. Yes, sir. And then I can bring you past him and I put you here. And then this one says, but God, what about me? Because I, I really, huh? well, what's he doing there? Because I'm supposed to be there. I can also get there. What is happening to me, oh Lord? 
I got to do what I do. This is where we fail the test. Because what God is doing is that he brought you to this. To equally, the tests never end. To equally get you to another level. How? So that when you see this, you don't say, oh God, what's going on? What about me? I'm supposed to go ahead. What about me? Do you know what you're doing? He's testing you. Are you finding validation in getting ahead or you're finding validation in who I am? There is validation in who I am. I called you. Don't you tell me about them. Oh no, you don't understand. Lord, what about the one who, the one who always rests in your bottom? That's none of your business, Peter. That's none of your business. If I want him to stay, I can. If I want him to stay here, that's where he will be. If I want him to go, that's where he will be. If I want him to remain until I come back, that's not, what is that to you? Because when we're in leadership, we get to a point where we are so tested and we don't understand that we are being tested. And then your neighbor seems to be going ahead. And because the worldly interpretation is that leadership means going ahead. <laughs> leadership doesn't mean going ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, we're leading, we're leading. What are you doing? We're going ahead. Where? Lord, at least if I know where they're going, then I also know how to make an equation and be able to get there. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. And so what happens when this one gets here and probably looks at all the natural things and it thinks, I think I know better than everybody else. I know better than all of you. So what does he do? He says, I want to teach you. So he turns around. I want to teach you how they do it. <coughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh my God. I want to teach you how to do it. So that you can also come and get here. So he becomes an authority. And then he teaches you. How to move from point A to point B. But what he's doing, he is using the kind of wisdom to build the kind of leadership. Because you want to go ahead, you lose the ability to care. Oh. You cannot desire to go ahead and have a passion for those. And have a desire to think about others. Why? Because when you desire to go ahead, you're thinking about me. You're thinking about me. And that's why even when we get to some place, I'm still thinking about me. It's so possible for me to begin fighting you. Because even after getting here, I'm not satisfied. 
Why? Because I used kind of wisdom to get to where I got. I naturally, I'm on top, but spiritually, I am down. This is what the world sees. This is what God sees. The world runs after these and God is saying, you don't know him. He's so empty. Because all he thinks about is himself. Leadership is caring. I cannot pursue to be ahead and at the same time be able to care. The only reason, let me tell you, getting ahead is not my plan. Getting ahead is not a design that I have to follow. It is getting down that I have to follow. When I go down, then God is able to lift me up. And as he lifts me up, he takes me where he wants. And if he thinks I can stay seated here in a jail cell... For 20 years, that is progress. If I can stay in a jail cell for 20 years, the Apostle Paul spent the rest, major part of his ministry, his life in a jail cell. And he made an impact that we still Thrive on to this day. But you who is in a jail cell, you ain't making impact because you're inside there. You got to do something. So you high, you go high and lead. He led from where he was. Not from where he was not. Thank you, man of God. Thank you. He led from where he was, not from where he was not. I want to prove this to you, Mo. Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. Mark, chapter 10. Oh, there's an anointing in this house, ladies and gentlemen. Who? From verse 35, listen carefully. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire or ask. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They. Okay. I'm on 36. Going to 37. They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may seat one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. Uh, it seems to be a very innocent request. Huh? Let's read on. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. <laughs> you see, when you're ambitious, you think you can. I'm going to say that again. 
When you're ambitious, you think you can. You don't even know what you're asking. Why? Because your emptiness cries out for fulfillment and you think achieving will validate me and satisfy me. So you stop at nothing. You stop at nothing. Can you do this? Oh yeah, we can. Yes, we can. Do you know what you're asking for? Do you know what you're into? Because ambition, what you want and ready to go get it, not what God tells you to do, is driving you. And the Bible calls that an act of the sinful nature. Selfish ambition is an act of the sinful nature. Selfish ambition. Now listen carefully. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized with, or shall ye be baptized, but to sit on my right hand, on my left hand. This is going ahead. <laughs> Lord, we got to be ahead of you. We got to be ahead. I mean, we're about 12 people here. We don't even know how this stuff is going to work out. We don't think it can really satisfy everybody around here. So if we come in first, and we take the positions quick enough, the 10 can find their levels. Nobody's willing to care for anybody. Everybody wants to care for themselves. Lord, we brothers, okay? We brothers, come here, my friend. We brothers, okay, Lord? What you do is, this is my brother. Now, you, you, you give him the left side, okay? You give me the right side. <laughs> what about the rest? What about the rest? Uh, just me and him. The left, the right. And isn't this what we go through? Uh, or just me? Uh, what about the... Uh, no, Lord, don't worry. You, you're going to take them. Somebody's going to take care of that. But, but for now, just the two of us. Isn't that what we do? We're struggling to take positions because we think they will validate us. They will remove the emptiness within. When in actual sense, taking a position doesn't remove the emptiness. Taking a position only aggravates and deepens the emptiness. Thank you, sir. Lord, give me this, pastor. You know what? Make me the choir leader. Real quick, just make me the choir leader. I'm willing. I'm willing. Pastor, just make me the man's leader. I'm more than ready. No. You don't aspire. Don't just come around. Make me the man's leader. The reality is this. That as you care for other men. <laughs> as you care for other women. You're feeding them. You're leading them already. 
And the only thing the pastor will do is to come in and just only acknowledge what God is already doing on the inside of you. Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going slowly. Hope we're together. Are we together? Now listen to this. It's going to get better. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. You see, many times we read and we only blame James and John. But all the twelve had the same spirit. We look at the ten and we think, oh, the ten, they were so good. They had vision. They cared for each other. No. The ten were here and one of them said, did you hear what those guys asked for? Did you hear it? What did they ask for? That James be on the left hand and John on the right hand. Now, how about us? Nothing. What? Nothing. Huh? At that point, when you think, I've worked so hard and somebody has gone ahead of me and struck the jackpot, yet I've been here for years. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Somebody has gone ahead of me and hit the jackpot, but I've been here for years. And nobody sees me. Let me tell you, the reason nobody sees you is because you see nobody. That's why in the early church, the disciples said, we are not going to do all of this. Choose ye men among yourselves. And they knew the men that were full of the spirit. Men that had wisdom. Men that were shepherding among them. If we have you shepherding down there, the work on this side is going to be so easy. So they saw Stephen because Stephen was seeing them. He was caring for them. How easy it becomes when you're caring for each other and bringing each other because you love each other so much you're willing to lay down your life where you are you're already leading you're already caring where you are you're already leading but what are you doing you want a position in order to lead you're looking for hierarchy hierarchy is not leadership Let me break it down. <laughs> you're you're going to understand what I'm up to. The, the ten were displeased. Verse 42. 
But Jesus called them to himself and said unto them, you know that they which are accounted to rule over you or to lead, rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. You see the hierarchy stuff? I exercise my authority over you. I exercise my power over you. I know it can be so confusing. You're thinking, Lord, when you give me authority, authority is not given to you so that you can promote you or your agenda. Authority is given to you in order to serve. In order to care. Authority is given to you in order to care. It's like when I get married and I come out and I say, hey, you better listen because I wear the pants around here, okay? You better listen. I got the authority. No, no, no. That's so dangerous. That's so dangerous. Authority is not given to you to be at the top. Authority is given to you to be at the bottom. <clears throat> oh, Lord, have mercy. Authority is given to you to be at the bottom. Lord, how can I be at the bottom and be able to serve them? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> when you're at the bottom, I cause you. I make you. You keep on following me. And trusting me and relying on me. Because when you're at the bottom, you uphold whoever is at the top. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. When you're at the bottom, you go down and others go up. Because you went down. But I cannot be going up and I expect you to go up with me. It cannot happen. Thank you, sir. It cannot happen. The only way to cause you to go up with me is to go down. As I care for you, I'm telling you, you're going to go up. You're going to go up. And that's where when a man goes down, he is not threatened. By his woman going up. Because the only reason the woman is going up. Is because the man is the base. And the only reason the woman stays down. Is because the man has rejected to be the base. Oh, Lord. Authority is not given to me. Oh, Lord, this is very cold. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. But this is, hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. No problem. Maybe that's not cold. <laughs> yes. Thank you.
that's better. Thank you. <laughs> Hallelujah. I repeat, authority is not given to you so you push people around. It's given to you so that you can actually serve them. And in order to do that, when all that is happening, God is going to make sure that when you're given that authority, you're attacked. It's not the devil ensuring that. No. It's God ensuring that when you're given that authority, you're attacked. Why does he ensure that you got people rising up against you when he's given you the authority? So that you may not lead by your own strength. When he permits you to be attacked, the attacks push you towards him. Not you to begin hitting back and becoming bitter and becoming angry and trying to prove to everybody the kind of authority you have around here. Let me tell you, you don't know who I am. Oh, oh, no. The reason. <coughs> the reason you're being attacked, it is all a setup by the one who called you. It's a test. Because it's so possible to get over there and then when you're attacked, you show them your authority. When he was reviled, he reviled not back. When he was attacked, he threatened not. Because you cannot be serving and caring. And then you're willing to threaten. I'm about, I'm about, uh, you don't know. God called me here. If you don't want it, I can stop everything. What am I talking about? I'm showing you something. I'm not talking about correction or rebuke. No. I'm showing you that when you're given authority, you're going to be attacked. But the reason you're attacked is to prepare you to handle that authority so that you don't use it for you, but you use it for others. And this is where the leader dies. That's why Jesus could only die when his authority was attacked. They attacked his authority. They attacked his authority for three and a half years. And finally, he laid down his life. He said, I will not retaliate. Because I am here to serve you that is attacking me. But it hurts. We don't want to go that way. If you attack me, I want to make sure I show you 
who wears the pants around here. Because God gave me the authority. That's why when Jesus' authority was attacked, in one of the instances, the disciples said, Oh Lord, you forgot. Let's do it like Elijah. Let's call the fire. You see, it's so easy when you have authority. But that's not the end. God can give it to you, but he's still doing a work in you to care for others. And he said, no, don't you know the spirit you have received? It's the spirit that saves, not the spirit that destroys. The reason you save is because you care. If that leadership is all down there, this church can never be split. Mm, mm. This church can never be divided because nobody wants to go ahead. Somebody is busy taking care of another. Somebody is busy taking care of another. And when somebody's authority is attacked and they feel threatened, they do not fight back. They love back. They care for those who don't care for them. They bleed while they lead. Oh, God. They bleed while they lead. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they're doing. And he's bleeding all over. But he can still care. Mm. My. My, 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 my. He's bleeding all over. But he can still care. When we are attacked and we begin bleeding. We want to protect us first. But at that point, God wants you to let go so that your care is tested. Because everybody can care as long as they, the other people care back. But when you care and no care comes back to you, you don't want to care no more. Can I get a witness in the house? And that's when we say, let's call the fire. Let's protect ourselves. Because nobody's caring for me. I've been caring for you all them years and nobody cares what I go through. Nobody cares what I go through. And what do you want to do? Call the fire. How? I'm going to quit. How? I'm going to start gossiping. I'm going to speak. Who, do, who does he think he is? 
Who does she think she is? I don't like the way he does this. I don't like the way she does this. I don't like the. I don't like. You're calling fire. You're calling fire. Let me tell you, when you're caring, that's leading. Caleb and Joshua, they led. That they cared for the people. And they said, we're willing to go. And God saw the spirit in them. And the Bible says, for 40 years they stayed in the same wilderness. With those who never believed. Why didn't God just take Joshua and Caleb? Because they believed. Because when God calls you to leadership, he holds others as your responsibility for you to care for them. And if they are not yet there, you will not lead them. Care for them until they are there so that you can go. So the 40 years, these men kept faith for 40 years so that the other people could catch up. Oh, Lord. This is some good talking this evening. They cared for 40 years so that others could be able to get to where they were. That doesn't work in this generation. Because we're going ahead. We're going ahead. We're going ahead. Oh, man. Do you know, most of you, you can be where you were simply because God is saying there's some people that you're supposed to go with that are not yet there. They are not yet there. And I'm going to take you, yes, but I'm not taking you along. Because you're going to have to go with them. If he had taken only Joshua and Caleb, all the younger generation would have perished. But Joshua and Caleb stayed and they told the next generation. They cared for them for 40 years. That after 40 years, all them losers were kicked out who, who didn't want to do what God was doing. And they stayed out. And God took the other generation. Because the others were not willing to lead from the pews. That's why they say, we better make ourselves a calf, make ourselves a God and we go back. It was about them. They didn't care for one another. Lord, I'm about to finish this. Hope I'm not keeping you for so long. Amen. Now listen to this. 
verse 43 but so shall it not be among you but whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant or minister amen shall be your minister that's what my bible says over here and whosoever of you will be the greatest or the chiefest shall be the servant of all for even the son of man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many now, for years, I used to read this verse, and I would teach people, and I would say, I heard messages like the key to greatness. And I say, the key to greatness is to be the servant. And God told me, son, I want you to read again. I never said that. You're misleading my people. I never said that. I say, come on. You did. <laughs> Whosoever will be the greatest among you shall be the servant of all. And he says, read on. And I read on. For even the son of man came not to be ministered. And he said, you lose it because you don't read verse 45. You read only verse 43 and 44 and you plan to feed your ego and to feed your emptiness. Everybody, everybody want to go ahead. So you say, how do you want to be great? Because everybody want to be great. And you say, this is the key. Learn to serve others. And everything you're doing is carnal. Carnal. Because it's all about me. I want to be great. I want to be great. And I said, okay. And he said, look at me. The great are the ones that serve. You don't serve to become great. Where is that? Because he said, whoever shall be the greatest among you shall be the minister. To minister, to serve, is literally to care for you the way God would be caring for you. You see, we think servant is about slave where nobody has rights or whatever. But let me tell you, in biblical times, even slaves had rights. In biblical times, in fact, you'd keep him seven years and then he had a right to go. And there were things God told them not to do to slaves. Uh-huh. When it comes to serve, when Jesus served, he shows you what a minister is. I care for you the way God would have done this if he was here. And what does it mean? Behold, the son of man. Is not among you as one being ministered to. I am not here trying to make you take care of me. I am here to make sure I take care of you. Why? Because I'm already great. When you look all around here, I'm the greatest among you. How? 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 They're struggling who is the greatest. 
but it's out of their emptiness. But when you connect with relationship, the one who has a relationship is not fighting for position. The one who has a relationship is not fighting for position. It's them that don't have a relationship that are fighting for position, for going ahead, for getting to some place. The one with a relationship is busy caring. Because he's got nowhere to go. Where is he going to go? He's already in the ultimate. What else does he want? He is already in the ultimate. Because I'm already with the ultimate, that's why I can care for you without hesitation. I'll read one more verse. Preachers got to close about 10 times. If you're a good preacher. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. The Gospel of John chapter 13. I want to emphasize this. Whew, there's some good stuff, ladies. Remember the one who already has a relationship. Y'all stop telling people, you want to be great? Serve others. That's not what that scripture means. Because Jesus wasn't there trying to become great. He was already great. That's why he came down. Because he was great. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper, leave, gives up his own food, his own comfort, and laid aside his garments, his titles, the garments are a symbol of the tires. His tires. And took a towel and guarded himself. After that, he pours water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was guarded. What moves this being to give up his fisting? To give up his supper. I want to show you something. It's in verse 3. Knowing that the father had given all things into his hands. He knew who he was. He knew where he came from. He knew where he was going. He knew this is not the end. Ladies, you've never been to heaven, but I've been there. And I'm going back there. So y'all are still fighting for this stuff here. 
none of you is willing to take the least because you're fighting for the stuff here. You don't know how to lead. I know the Father has given all things into my hands. Not to use it for me. I know him. I know him so well. What do we do? We use the things to try to develop a garment. Title. Because these days, being a pastor is not good enough. I don't know why you still call yourself a pastor. That's not good enough. You got to graduate to bishop. <laughs> Come on. Oh, you graduate to bishop. Now, what you don't know is the bishop is the same word for pastor. <laughs> An overseer. Oh, no, that's not good enough. Now, you can get a doctorate. So, and so you became pastor, apostle, bishop, doctor. These days, doctor is the thing, huh? <laughs> you get it? Doctor love. Yeah. Now all of you know who I am. But you don't know who you are. You're trying to tell us you, that we know who you are, but you don't know who you are. And that's why you're pumping yourself up. You're hyping yourself up. You're using whatever God has given you to hype yourself up. Instead of laying it all down and using it to serve, to care for others the way God would have cared for them. Because God has put you there, so he reveals himself through you to them. Why don't we want to lead from the pews? Because we don't think we have anything. We think Joshua is up here. He has everything. So he can lead. This is the good news. Everything that Christ has, he has given to you. Now you know that all things have been given to your hands. You have the authority. You can lead. You have the love of God in you. For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Where love is, there's power, there's a sound mind. And let me be careful with this. A sound mind is not an intellectual or a high IQ mind. A sound mind is a spiritual mind. Mind after the spirit. Not your intellectual quantum. No. You might be a professor and your mind ain't sound. You might be a doctor and your mind ain't sound. Therefore, 
knowing that all things have been given to him. Do you acknowledge this? He knew that everything was given. That means I don't own, I don't even earn it. I don't earn it. It's given. That's why I'm willing to come down. Because I didn't earn this. And the way I received it, I want to give it to others. I freely received. I freely give. And I'm leading from wherever I am. I might be in the pews. I might be at the door. I might be everywhere. But God has already given me. And because he has already given me, I put off my garment. That stuff that makes me think I am somebody is what I put off. That stuff that makes me think I cannot go that low is what I put off. Because now I get to know I am not trying to build an image. No. Don't build an image. I know you've been told image is everything. You don't build an image. The reason you build an image is because you don't know who you are. You were created in the image of another. So you cannot build your own. You cannot have your own image. You can't. That's idolatry. You're creating the image of another. So what do you do? You're supposed, because you don't have an image, you reflect another's image. Because you don't have your own. But what do we do? When he gives us all these things, we use them to build an image. Because the world won't accept us until we have an image. No, that's why we are not getting where God wants us. The world will accept us when they see him. Because our image tells us we are no longer servants. We are no longer leaders. We've become our own gods. Thou shalt not build, make any image. I know you all are going to be thinking, oh no, please, Pastor Cyrus, you don't want to go there. Thou shalt not make. Idolatry. But oh, how we've told the church when we go for leadership conferences, you got to Put up an image, you know, an image, an image, an image. Because you don't know what you have. You don't even know who you are. If you knew who you are, you would not be building an image. When I know who I am, I am here to reflect another's image, not to build mine.
reflecting. Reflecting. That's what you were created for. That's why leadership, shepherding, is care. How can I care when I build on my own image? The other day I was thinking, and everybody here knows Mark Zuckerberg. Huh? Facebook. That young man has been moving around and he has had more impact on the church leadership today than Jesus. And you're going to be thinking, how does that happen? This is what I said. When I watched Mark Zuckerberg on TV the other day, going to your capital, going to sit before the leaders, he knew stuff was serious. He could no longer be casual. There's some that believe leadership. The more you make it so casual, the better you lead. But you know where we're picking it from? The Mark Zuckerberg generation. And now Zuckerberg realized, I can't wear a t-shirt today because I'm coming before somebody. I'm going to put on a suit for the first time. Mark Zuckerberg heard his tie put together. And I said, now I wonder people building their image on Mark Zuckerberg. What are they going to do? Now they're going to scramble and try to get a suit. I pray for you. May you lead. May you care with zeal. That's what it means to lead with diligence. Care with zeal. Now you know what leadership is. Now you know what you go through. You know what happens to you. Problem is we're used to, oh no, learn how to do these 20 steps. That ain't leadership. Father, I thank you for these leaders. You've only allowed me to stand here before them that I may speak your word. Lord, do a work in them. Let this word cause them to know how much you care for them so that they may transmit whatever care they've received from you to others and beginning from where they are, not from where they are not. I praise you because it is happening in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. You, uh, you have just been exposed to the greatest leadership teaching you're ever going to hear. And if we lead from this level, our church cannot be split. The devil can't do anything with this type of leadership. Thank you for listening to Life Church Podcast. For more information, go to lifechurchofcolumbia.org.